Hello and welcome to this episode of Speaking About Speaking with me, Jackie Goddard. Thank you for being here. This episode is an ask me anything you like kind of episode and I wasn't sure whether that was the right thing to do. But I've been talking a lot to people lately about personal brand and who they are. And after all, your personal brand is about you and your personality. So I thought, well, people want to ask me about speaking. It's obviously what I do. It's what I love. It's, you know, my training, my background. But also there's a lot more to me than just that. So those of you that sort of read the description, uh, I have, I was trained as a fashion designer. I worked for fashion, in fashion for about five years in the West End. And it was awful, awful, awful job. Not very creative at all. Didn't enjoy it. But I got my clothes into sort of lots of the, the high street shops. After five years, I ended up going into uh, a dressing job and costume and theatre. And from there, decided that really I should have been an actor. That's where I belonged. I went off to drama school. And then from there, I did some acting. I did some teaching. And, you know, life unfolds. So this 30 minutes is an opportunity to for you to, to pick my brains if that's what you want to do, or just ask me some stupid questions. There is no such thing as a stupid question. But I have to say thank you so much to my fabulous friends out there that I sort of said, help, please. It's going to be a very quiet 30 minutes if people don't ask me any questions. So I have put a couple of their questions in the comments there, which I will answer. But if there's anything you'd like to know, anything about speaking, confidence, all of those things. If there's anything you'd like to know about uh, the career jungle gym rather than the career ladder, if there's anything you'd like to ask me about working in theatre, being an actor, uh, growing up with a stuntman for a father, the film business training stunt trainees, whatever whatever it is you'd like to ask. And I'm, I'm quite happy and open to answer any questions at all. So, uh, let me start maybe with one that I've already pre-prepared from uh, the lovely Gordon Fong. So here is Gordon's question. Gordon Fong is talking about asking about movement, how best to incorporate as to uh, as to feeling stifled on the same spot if there's not need to be. Ah, what to do with the arms to are to avoid tension building up. Okay. So I think basically what you're asking, Gordon, is how do you become more relaxed on stage so that you can move quite naturally, so that you're not tense and stood like a, you know, like a, a statue rooted to one spot. And this really comes down to you being as comfortable with your content and with yourself as you possibly can. So Cicero says, confidence comes from a trust in oneself. So once you are comfortable with your own story and within your own skin, which is difficult for a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of work that we have to do on ourselves sometimes just to be able to step in front of an audience and speak publicly. But if you're comfortable in yourself and also with the content that you're sharing, that you really believe what it is that you're saying, then actually you can be quite comfortable in your own skin on a stage. But in order to help you before you get out there is to really do some deep breathing, relax your shoulders. We hold so much tension here across our chests and into our shoulders. And that's where we really need to 
warm up and work out all of that tension before we step on the stage. Squeeze your, your shoulders up to your ears and hold it there for a while and you can feel that tension and then feel how you relax when your shoulders drop. So lots of movement in your shoulders, shake out your arms and sort of flick your fingers and really kind of warm up the top of your body here and get rid of all of that anxiety that we hold and the tension we hold in our shoulders and our, in our neck as well. And then don't worry too much about your arms. Your arms uh, will relax at your side. They will gesture to underline a point when it feels natural to do so. So don't think, oh, I mustn't move my hands. I must put my, you know, I must hold my, I must point. I've got to point with my thumbs. I mustn't move my arms. I've got to have them in my pockets. You don't need to at all. Just really relax. Make sure that you're well rehearsed and well practiced so that when you step on the stage and you've done a warm up and you've done some deep breathing, you actually feel comfortable enough to move if it feels right. Obviously, you don't want to be too distracting by, by and lots of people move from foot to foot, from leg to leg. They do a little disco dance up there on the stage. Root your feet on the floor, make your knees nice and soft, shoulders nice and relaxed, and enjoy it if you can. I hope that helps, Gordon. Let me see. We've got some new. Oh, lots of comments here. Uh, hi, Lois. Lovely to have you here. And uh, James, lovely to see you too. Let me, I'll answer yours first here, James. Did your speaking ability come naturally or was it a learned process? My ability was not acquired. I don't know where I got my talent. It's a mystery. Oh, well, it's good to know you have a talent, James. It's always good to know we have a talent. And I, do you know, I think it was just uh, the fact that I like talking to people. I like communicating. I enjoy people's company. I am curious about people. And I think that's why I, I went to acting because the psychology around human beings is fascinating to me. And so that curiosity enables me to be able to ask questions. And I think, and I have learned over the years that the best way to start any kind of communication is to listen. And so I like listening. I like finding out about people. And actually in that moment, you you get to speak and you get to converse and you have that two-way conversation. And when you step on a stage as a speaker, it is always still a two-way conversation. So you, even though your audience aren't speaking to you, you would hope they might not be heckling, uh, but you will have that kind of, you'll get that feedback from the audience. Obviously, being a trained actor, there is an element of projection in my voice. There is an, uh, an element of um, clarity that came from just working in theatre and, and and doing those techniques that you, that you have to learn that are fundamental to to an actor learning how to enable you know knowing how to inhabit other characters and in order to inhabit other characters you've got to kind of take on a physicality and be able to speak in that way and it's just in those situations pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone so you get used to speaking in public. And I think that's kind of where it came from. So hopefully that answers your question. There is a lot of work to do. Love that quotation from Cicero, Jackie. Yeah, Cicero. There was higher. There we go. I, I don't know. Um, Ella, are you asking Lois that? Hi, Lois. Are you planning on doing any public speaking, Lois? Hello, Ella. Uh, you've got a question here. What's the best advice for becoming a more natural speaker rather than a presenter? 
Ella, we've done the work. You know, you know that actually there is a big difference, isn't there, between being a natural speaker and a presenter. A presenter, I feel, and this is my personal opinion, quite often hides behind the presentation. So they will hide behind the slides and generally if they are presenting something, it's not necessarily their words or their story. Now, this obviously differs from presentation to presentation. But what I'm the way I look at it is that if you are presenting, then you might be presenting something that somebody else has put together and that is always more difficult and never going to feel natural because they're not necessarily your words or your presentation. So a natural speaker is somebody that's telling their own stories, uh, recounting their own anecdotes, uh, taking their audience on the journey they want to take them on. And in that way, they are comfortable with what it is that they're talking about and who they are. And that be that, that makes it easier and, and, and enables them to become more natural in what it is that they're doing. Thank you for that, Ella. Ooh, when presented to an audience, what makes you feel nervous? What makes me feel nervous? As everybody else, Mark, I would assume, I feel nervous. Um, I feel nervous because, I don't know if it's nerves, there's, a, there's a, always an apprehension, even when I step in front of a class, even when I'm doing the speaker club, you know, that, that 10 minutes before you guys arrive at the speaker club in person, uh, I will feel apprehensive every time I go to a run a workshop every time I step onto a stage, there's an apprehension in me that this is going to be the time when it's all going to go horribly wrong. And so that makes me nervous. 99.999% of the time, it doesn't go wrong at all. And apart from glitches with tech and stuff, which is always going to happen, uh, the nerves are at a minimum. It's, I'm usually more nervous if there's something more at stake. Like I recently um, did a talk that wasn't about public speaking. It was about me and my journey and how you can find resilience and joy and, you know, all of those things and confidence. And because it was a new talk, because it was something that was really dear to my heart, really something, it was my story. Uh, I did feel quite nervous. But you just have to you just have to go with it, don't you? Because I knew I knew that I wanted the audience to hear what I had to say. So I had to take my own advice and and just, you know, do the breathing. Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse and rehearse again. I did it out loud to somebody before I, I presented it to the audience uh, so that I could get some decent feedback so that I knew that it made sense and just did as much as I possibly could to get rid of as many of those nerves as I could before I stepped in front of the audience. But as I say many, many times, I've said it before, you have to embrace the nerves. The, the nerves and the anxiety are exactly the same feeling in your, in, your, in your body. They're both aroused emotions and they both send cortisol running around your body and, and your heart beats faster. And so they are both the same feeling. So if you can switch your mindset and think, right, this isn't anxiety, this is not me collapsing with nerves this is excitement I'm excited to do this so that's what I try to do but you know I am human like everybody else I get nervous too but thank you for that Mark and I am right back from Lois I would very much like to get back to some public speaking Jackie 
I've definitely got a TEDx in me. I know you have, Lois. I know you have. Like me, you've been on an amazing journey through your life and your career. And like me, you want to share those experiences because they could actually help and benefit somebody else. So absolutely uh, put that talk together. And if you need any help, you know where I am. So thank you for those. Brilliant. Uh, just for some context, if you're out there listening and you haven't, uh, you have no idea what this episode is about, this is me answering anything, anything you like uh, from all of my experience over the last 30 years working, 50 plus years of being alive. Um, I've been through breast cancer. I've been through um, all sorts. I've trained as an actor. I've trained as a fashion designer. I recently got a degree in creative writing. And I try to use everything, everything that I can, because all of those experiences have made me unique. Unique. What I bring to public speaking. There are many, many, many other people that do what I do, but there's only one person that does it the way I do it because of all these things that I've done. Uh, so let's go back to one of the, because I had some fabulous questions from Glenn Long, uh, a whole list of them. So I'll I'll do another one on on or two on speaking. And then there was a couple more that m might have related to my, my past acting life. Uh, What's this one? Okay. What can someone do in five minutes immediately before giving a talk or presentation to dramatically improve their performance? And that's from Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. Um, breathe. Breathing is the big one. And that's kind of what I say to people. If Even if you're sat in a room, in an auditorium, waiting to go on, and you're having to wait for other people, wait, you know, wait your turn, then in your seat, in the wings, wherever you might be, just again, relax your shoulders, get rid of as much tension in your shoulders and in your neck as you possibly can. Sit, gently take a nice deep breath in and then hold your breath for four and then breathe out for four. Breathe in for four and just visualize yourself doing this kind of box or circle breathing. And I know, Lois, you used to use this with your kids that you used to work with at school. Um, it's really, really a, a fantastic way of, of focusing your mind and really getting your central nervous system all into, you know, where it should be. So it's called box breathing. So you breathe in for four, you hold your breath for four, you breathe out for four, you hold your breath for four. That's the count of four. And you carry on doing that and you'll feel yourself really kind of calm down. All of those butterflies will get into formation in your tummy. I often say to people as well, while you're doing that, if you get a chance to close your eyes and visualize at the same time. So apart from you can you can visualize everything going right, because I say 99.999% of the time, it absolutely will go perfectly well if you're prepared but you can think, visualize everything going right. Or if you just want to really get yourself into a, a space, a calm space, then I like to get people to visualize them lying on a beach. So you're lying on a beach with the sun beating down on you. It's beautiful weather and it's calm. And as you breathe in for four, imagine the waves coming in up the beach for four, and then they pause for four, and then they go back out again for four. 
they pause for four and they're back in and then just continue that. So that I find is really, really helpful for people to do in that five minutes before they go on stage. If you manage to get to the loo or to some place that's a little bit more private before you go on, Amy Cuddy did some massive research around those superpower, superhero poses where, you know, you, you make yourself big. So if you can get into the loo, uh, make yourself big, hands on your hips, chest out, uh, head up, and really for two minutes, just imagine yourself as just being the best version of you, the one with all of the superpowers that's really, really, really um, going to you know, go out there and, and smash it. Uh, and if you could do that for two minutes, really get yourself into that mindset of, of being somebody that's going to be the best, best speaker ever. I hope that answers that one. Glenn, thank you. And uh, see if there's any more. Who are my heroes? Ooh, that's from Mark. Who are my, who are my heroes? You know, I love Brené Brown, I have to say. And I discovered her in lockdown, actually. I'd not heard of her before. But her TED Talk uh, on vulnerability just blew my mind because it just, um, well, apart from the message itself, I mean, what an amazing speaker. She's natural she was funny she you know just engaged the audience completely um and had such a fantastic message to deliver and i think that comes from not only her knowing her stuff and obviously having done all the research that she'd done within you know into the work that she'd done but she was i think she's a professor so sort of in classrooms and again ella lois you'll know this if you are somebody that, that steps in front of a class day in day out then actually you do kind of build this uh this rapport i suppose that you have to build with an audience if you are going to be uh, working with them every day especially with with young people but yeah brene brown is one sir ken robinson as well absolutely a master speaker not because he uh, he was an orator, but like Brené Brown, he was just very natural. He just understood that to get a point across, you had to you have to be on your audience's wavelength. You have to connect with them emotionally. Um, and yeah, I think those of, of many, but those two definitely, when it comes to speaking, are my heroes. Thank you for that, Mark. Oh. A diverse one here from Liam. Uh, chips or crisps? Oh, that's difficult. Oh, to see, I can't even answer. I'm terrible at making decisions. I would say chips because they're hot. And, yeah, they're the nice crispy chips, definitely. I do like a, uh, a red onion and cheese crisp, though, or cheese and onion, definitely. But yeah, I think it would have to be uh, chips. Thank you for that, Liam. What's the one thing you do every single day that you believe really helps you, Jackie, with speaking and with life? I get out of bed. <laughs> um, I don't know. That I think, I mean, I do a little bit of yoga if I can. I just, I try to have a routine in the morning that I get up within sort of, 20 minutes, half an hour of the alarm going off and I'll come down and I'll drink some water and I'll take some vitamins and then I'll sit down, do a bit of social media and then I'll do some yoga before I go and have a shower and get ready for the day. And I think that kind of sets me up for the day. Um, 
and it's what I like to do. I really do enjoy just doing that little bit of stretching in the morning and just having that having that sort of 45 minutes really to myself before I before I jump into the day. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's all I can think of. <laughs> uh, do, do. What's oh, what's this one? What's your best performance moment, Jackie? And why was it such a good feeling? Oh, that's you've you've just taken me back there actually because I remember performing. It was a two-hander, me and a, another actor, and it was just the two of us on stage. And it was me basically terrorizing this uh, this poor woman for about an hour and twenty minutes. My character just being overbearing and controlling and all sorts, which was a lovely, lovely part to play. But we'd got it to such a, a fabulous, um, the dialogue between us was just flying. And if it flew, you kind of, you get into the moment, you get you get into that space where you're just really kind of bouncing off each other. And I can remember in the darkness, there was about 400 people in the in the audience. And I can remember out of the darkness, hearing my dad laugh. He had, he's got this like, you know, this, this muttly kind of dog laugh. And I just could hear that coming out of the darkness. And that just made me feel so good. I don't know why. I don't know. It was my dad. I recognized it. It just, it made me think that I was doing something right. That he he had, because uh, this is the thing, isn't it? When when people that you know come to see you, they know you They and you're playing somebody different. But in that moment, it felt to me like he'd suspended his belief of it being me and actually was invested in the character. And that that was brilliant. Oh, Christoph, thank you, Christoph. Yeah, no, that was that was a lovely moment. Ella, thank you. If you could act in any theatre or speak in any auditorium, where would it be? Funnily enough, Ella, I did a vision board this year, which I, I haven't done for a while, but not since Christoph actually asked me to do a visualize a visual board for for the business coaching that we were doing. But do you know I actually put the Carnegie Hall on my vision board. Now, I don't know why, because the chances of me performing at the Carnegie Hall not being a musician are probably very, very slim. But, and I'd watched Maestro, and it's in Maestro, obviously, Leonard Bernstein had actually performed there, I'm sure, many, many times. Um, and I just loved it as an auditorium. It just looked fantastic. So that is on my vision board. And plus, I love New York. And the, and I when I went to New York, we stayed in our hotel overlooked Carnegie Hall. So I, I don't know, it's just somewhere that I'd I'd like to, I'd like to go, I think. I'd like to perform, definitely. If I could perform on Broadway, that would be great. But no, I'm not an actor anymore, am I? Liam, what's been your highlight of 2024 so far? I think today, practicing throwing tea bags into mugs was my favorite part of 2024 so far. For those of you that are going to the You Are The Media Lunch Club on Thursday, you will see me trying to break that world record. So yeah, that was a fun fun part today. I was working with a group uh, last week, actually two groups um, for, uh, in a corporate environment, and we were doing uh, an impactful presentation workshops with them. And that was really enjoyable because I got them doing stuff like in the speaker club, you know, the, the speaker club that I run in person in Southbourne, when you've got a group of people in a room and you're asking them to step outside of their comfort zone and it feels a little bit awkward to start with, but they go with it. And when they go with it 
and you hear them laughing and you know that they're having fun, but you know at the end of the day they've learned something. That was great. So I really enjoyed that. That was brilliant. Thank you. Fabulous. Let me go back because I know there were lots of questions from where was uh, da, 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 da. uh I think Glenn asked me and I didn't put this one down but Glenn asked me uh what had I been an extra obviously my dad being a, a stunt coordinator he coordinated the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and I was an extra on that for three months so before I went to drama school um, so I was in Shepperton studio dressed as a peasant for three months up to my elbows in mud. Uh, I did have two days, I think, where I was a noble woman and I got to dress in a very lovely pink chiffon um, noble woman's costume. And we filmed at, I want to say St. Bart's in London in the church scene with Alan Rickman. And I didn't know who Alan Rickman was at that point, And he stared at me strangely. Uh, all dressed as uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham, which was a bit scary. But yes, I've, I've done that. Um, what types of shows did you take to Edinburgh? So the Edinburgh Festival, which was great. Um, we went up there again with a, it was a new play, a bit like the two-hander that I, that I did. It was a new play written by um, my tutor at drama school, actually. And again, I was terrorising somebody. So yeah, that's obviously, I get typecast as, as the uh, the femme fatale kind of part, well, I did back in the day. So yeah, it was a it was a new play, uh, which is great because you get to get those characters and uh, and and make them your own because nobody else has played them before. So that that was brilliant. Uh, and Edinburgh was an experience. And then we brought that back that play back to London and did it on the Fringe too. So if you are watching this on the replay and you've got any questions, then please do put them in the in the uh, in the comments below. And I'm I'm very happy to answer anything that you might like to ask. So let me have a look and see if there were any. I think it was Catherine Adams asked me this one, which I said I would have to think of, uh, think about. What's the number one value or quality you have? Do you think that has given you the oomph to do all of these things? And as I said to, to Catherine, if I knew the answer to that, I think I'd know the answer to everything. Because a bit like Lois's questions, I, I suppose, is there one thing that I do every day? And I don't know. I think, what what is the oomph? What is the oomph for the value? I think the oomph is just a love of life and a curiosity. A curiosity about people, about things, and a and I, and I don't know whether that came from a very supportive, loving family when I was growing up, that I was kind of able to ask questions and be who I wanted to be. And uh, I think that's stood me in good stead. And it's just always given me the, I don't know, the attitude that I can do anything and and why not? And if I don't try, then I will I will regret not trying. And so I've never let failure bother me, or I have, you know, obviously I'm, I'm you know, like anybody else, if something goes wrong, then I, then I, um, uh, I don't like failing, but I have learned from failures. I've learned from things that have gone wrong in my life. And as I now know, and I think I'd always been doing it, is that knowing that life is working for you rather than to you. So that, you know, any, anytime something happened, 
I used it as a as a as a learning as a lesson and took that on to the next bit and life is an adventure it doesn't always go the way you want it to but I think you just have to have a curiosity and a love of life to be able to just keep keep going in the face of adversity uh, is just to build that resilience to know that change is inevitable but everything will always turn out okay um, as long as you go in with the values with your own values and really you know being as the best person that you possibly can be let me see if there's anything else because we're coming to the end of our half an hour when we are speaking what can we do to get a signal from the audience that tells us that they are awake um, well, hopefully they won't be snoring. You won't hear them snoring, which is always a good sign. Um, this is a, this is a funny one because this did come up last week when I was working with the the guys. Um, it's I, it, because we all have a, a kind of a resting bitch face, or we all have that. If we are concentrating on something, if we are really engaged in listening, then some people, it looks like they're not engaged in listening at all. But you've just got to accept that everybody is different and everybody um, will learn and engage in a different way. So the thing to do uh, is, is to not assume that the person in the front row that looks like he's falling asleep is actually falling asleep he may well or she that may well be the way that they listen and learn so just keep going just assume that what you're doing is is the best that you are that you are doing don't let it make your energy drop because that is what happens quite often is you look out or you don't feel like you're getting any feedback from the audience and so either your energy drops or you go over the top so what you want to do is just, and I've had it myself, I've done that myself, especially when you're speaking. It's not so bad if you're on stage as an actor because the lights, you can't see the audience. But when you are a speaker, daytime, in a conference room or whatever, and you're doing it all, you can see everybody's faces. And I have had that where I've looked at somebody and I thought, oh my God, they really aren't engaged. But you can't let it throw you. You have to you have to carry on and just assume that you are, if there's 60 people in the audience, that you are playing, there's going to be one person that may be not be interested. It's, you know, play to the other 59. They are awake. They really are. Last one, I think, from Liam. What would some of your Dallas, oh, Desert Island discs? Oh, my God, Liam. Um, oh, I don't know what are my favourite songs. Bewley Brothers by David Bowie, I love. Um, no Woman, No Cry, Bob Marley. They're all showing my age, I'm afraid. Um, and Anything by My Daughter. So, yeah, those, those, there's a couple right there. Oh, brilliant. Thank you for all of your questions. I've, been, I've really enjoyed that. I can't believe that hour, um, half an hour has gone so quickly. I hope I've answered some questions. There were a lot more. What I might do is... Um, in the in the LinkedIn post that I put up today, I'll go back and answer the questions in there. But as I say, if you're if you're watching the replay on YouTube or on LinkedIn, do ask a question, send me any questions, DM me. I'm happy to talk. I love talking, as you can probably tell. So thank you so much for being here. And I will see you all next week, I hope. I think. I will uh, yeah, I'll I'll see you all next week. So thank you very much for being here and I'll speak to you all soon. Bye.